You're listening to Clinchy's Corner on ABC Grandstand. Dow pounces on it, puts it out in front of Harry Mackay. So Mackay leading the Coleman medal. Back in the team tonight. He's doing the set shot snap off a couple of steps. And he sends it straight through. Mackay close to the man on the mark. Kicks from Chung oh, down wow. tight 50. What a finish. Well, we called it at the start of the day that this was it was set up for him to have a big day. Puts it back to the hot spot. There he is again. Harry Mackay reaching up and clunks it. So Harry Mackay with the J-curve, bends through his third. Hello and welcome to Clinch's Corner. I'm Matt Clinch. A chance for us to chat in depth with a star of the AFL competition about their journey to the top level. This week on the program, we're joined by Carlton full forward Harry Mackay, becoming the first blue since Brendan Favola back in 2009 to lead the AFL's goal kicking in a season. Harry chats about what led to his breakthrough season. Yeah, I think there's was, was a few things that kind of came together. Yeah, I had a really good summer as well um, over the off season and um, had a really good summer in the gym and on the track. So that that kind of helped as well. And then I guess just a bit of, uh, building on confidence once you've had a couple of good games and, um, you know, you, you can do it at a level with a high standard, then um, yeah, it kind of snowballs and, yeah, and you go from there. His relationship with David Teague. Obviously, it's um, disappointing that he won't be won't be here next year, but um, that's the industry and the club's made a decision and uh, obviously we'll be back to the club in and Teague's got us to a point now where hopefully um, the next coach can come in and um, take us to the finals and uh, get some success off the back of yeah, a few coaches over the last five or six years. And what Carlton need in their next coach? I feel the biggest improvement is still within the 45 players in the locker room. So, um, yeah, it's something that we're going to be working really hard over the summer and um, whoever the new coach is, um, yeah, I look forward to, to working with them. The 2021 Coleman medalist, Carlton forward, Harry Mackay. Harry, with 13 teams now out of finals calculation, where do we find you? Um, I'm actually at the club at the moment. Just um, I thought I'd get in early. I've got to do some uh, some weights and some rehab stuff on my shoulder after this. So I'm um, just at the club, mate. But um, yeah, thanks for having me. So shoulder surgery uh, a couple of rounds before the end of the home and away season. Uh, how's it travelling? Yeah, it's all going really well. It's um, been about three weeks now, so... Um, yeah, I can I can start to ramp everything up. Um, yeah, it's it's uh, it's feeling pretty good. So uh, obviously there's no real time pressure or time frame at the moment, given it's the off season. But um, yeah, it's um it's coming along nicely. So given in the next couple of weeks should be close to 100. percent So um, it's going well. Thank you. Was there an incident that took place, or is it something that had kind of been grinding away throughout the season? Yeah, it was. Um, okay, was it the Gold Coast game? Can't remember what round 22 or 21 maybe. Yeah. Um, and just in the last quarter, just landed. Um, on the, on the AC and uh, it was kind of it was pretty bad, I guess. But um, I'd, I'd done it a couple of little knocks on it earlier on in the year, but this one was kind of, um, yeah, a bit more serious. So um, I guess the only real option was surgery. But, um, yeah, it's not, not a major surgery. So it was, um, yeah, just a little fix-up and, um, yeah, it should be good to go. So what's it like when your season comes to an end and you're back in the club trying to do the rehab to try and make sure your body's right? Is it something you have to push yourself to be self-motivated to make sure you get through it 100% or are the club pretty supportive in trying to help you where they can? Um, I'm a pretty uh, self-motivated guy, but um, yeah, you obviously have good people around you, but um, I guess everyone's individual kind of motivation levels are a little bit different this time of year, Matt. But um, yeah, as I said, I'm quite a motivated guy, so I'm pretty happy to get in here and get the work done, especially um, there's not much else we can do at the moment, given it's lockdown. So um, <laughs> coming into the club and actually doing a bit of training um, is something kind of something to do. So, um, yeah, I've actually quite enjoyed it. Yeah, good excuse to get out of the house. Um, obviously, 58 goals for the season. Um, what do you feel like was the key to having such a great season on your front? Um, I think it was a, a mixture of things. Um, in previous years, I felt like I'd still got quite a lot of opportunities in front of goal, um, shots on goal, et cetera. But... I think my ability just to uh, finish my work a little bit more this year helped. Um, I'm not sure I still missed it quite a lot, but um, yeah, I felt like I, I could finish my work a little bit better. Um, and I felt like uh, my marking and inside 50 craft um, took a step uh, forwards this year and um, improved quite a bit. So um, yeah, I think there's was, was a few things that kind of came together, but um, yeah, I had a really good summer as well um, over the off season and um, had a really good summer in the gym and, on the track, so that that kind of helped as well. And then I guess just a bit of, uh, building on confidence once you've had a couple of good games and, um, you know, you, you can do it at a level with a high standard, then, um, yeah, it kind of snowballs and, yeah, and you go from there. So, yeah, it was, it was a mixture of things. But saying that, I still feel like I've got plenty to work on and, um, yeah, I didn't feel like 
um, it was an, necessarily an amazing year. I feel like it was a good stepping stone just to um, to build even further. So looking forward to uh, next year, yeah. Your fifth year in the AFL system, you made the reference to being able to do all the pre-season, which sounds like such a barometer for a lot of young, talented players. Getting the consistency in running and that confidence in your body, is that what played a big part for you? Absolutely, yeah. I think um, I finished the 2020 season um, really healthy and played the last kind of five or six games and played some kind of consistent football and um, went into that off-season feeling 100%. Um, which was a bit of a change because the last couple of years had been um, a few injuries here and there going into the off-season and having to manage that over the summer. So um, it was really nice to have kind of a clean run at it. And then, um, yeah, I guess um, we had about 14, to 14, 15 weeks off because it was a COVID year. We had a kind of extended break and looked at it as a really good opportunity to go away and um, put in a lot of work and, and come back in really good condition. So um, I did that and I really enjoyed that. And then um, coming back after Christmas to the club and doing the ball work and the school work, um, yeah, everything just seems a bit bit easier and um, you feel a lot fitter and um, quicker and everything, um, having done, you know, 14, 14 weeks of work before that. So um, yeah, I think it's crucial to a good year, having um, having a full pre-season and having a, having a good summer. So um, I was lucky enough to have that, yeah. There was a game early in the season against Fremantle where you kicked seven goals. Is that a moment where... All of a sudden, you think I'm living the dream, and potentially this is what can happen when it all clicks. Yeah, I guess so. As I said before, um, it was never really an issue um, getting shots or, um, yeah, I guess marking the ball or anything like that. I think um, it was more finishing my work to a degree, and um, I felt like once I really broke that barrier of kicking, you know, more. I think I only kicked four in a game before this year, so kind of getting through that and. Um, yeah, kicking a few more. It was um, it was a bit of a weight off the shoulders to a degree, I reckon. And then um, yeah, I had a few more opportunities um throughout the year to to kick some kind of solid bags. But um, yeah, I think once you actually go out there and do it, um, it's easy to reflect on, and you know you've done it. So um, yeah, that was a good game. But still missed a few, mate. I should have kicked ten that day. I reckon, but um. <laughs> Yeah, anyway, maybe next year. <laughs> so when you get home and you think about it and you think, oh, there was probably a few out there I missed, are you the kind of guy who goes back and works at it at the club and goes through a set routine? Obviously, you you don't mind the snap across the body. I assume that's because it feels more comfortable. Yeah, that's right. I remember driving home after that game thinking, I'm happy, but really I should have should have been more today. I missed you know, six or seven, I think it was. So it was, um, could have been a big, big night, but... Um, I guess you got to you got to try and move on pretty quick in terms of you can't get um, caught up in in um, what's been too much. But um, yeah, absolutely. Every every week, whether I you know, kick five straight or miss five, I always tr- um, try and put in quite a lot of work during the week um, with my goal kicking. And as you said, yeah, I, I do enjoy snapping, and um, it's purely a a comfort thing. And if you look at the stats and look at the um, the success rate of actually going around the corner, although it's not optically amazing Matt the um <laughs> the, the results have been pretty good so um it's something I'll continue to work on and continue to do is it something that you needed uh someone at the club to say it's okay do it your way don't feel the pressure from the outside that you have to go back to the stock standard drop punt um yeah absolutely but I guess at the start um it's kind of something I did and it was kind of late 2020 I reckon I started doing it and um it kind of had a bit of success and then over the summer um, Cam Bruce, our forwards coach, and Tiggy as well was really good with saying as long as you've got a routine and as long as it's the same kick, um, they're not too worried. So um, they were great um, helping me with that and backing me in and backing my judgment. And um, yeah, it seemed to work pretty well. The voice of Coleman medal winner Carlton's Harry Mackay with Matt Clinch on ABC Sport. You're one of two Blues to make the All Australian side with Sam Walsh. Um, was Jacob Weedering a bit stiff and I'm sure it's the way of the times, but a virtual awards night. How weird was that for such a great individual achievement? Yeah, that's right. It was a bit of a unique one. Um, obviously, I hadn't experienced kind of a, a normal All-Australian night where you go, you obviously watch it on TV, but um, yeah, it was um, it was a little bit different doing it all pre-recorded and um, yeah, over Zoom, but it was um, obviously a great honour to um, to get my first jacket and alongside Walshie as well, who's had an amazing year and um, keeps on building with his career. Um, I thought... Weeders is very stiff, um, Matt, not to make it, probably two years in a row. But, um, yeah, he'll, um, he's, had a, he's had an amazing year as well, just as good as Sam and I. So, um, yeah, he should be really proud. And um, hopefully next year he might be able to get his first one. But, um, 
yeah, it was it was a good obviously recognition for a solid consistent year, but um, yeah, you obviously you never play for the individual stuff. Yeah, is it something you can take pride in, or given the fact that you've yet to play in a final series, is that what burns you to try and get collectively better as a team and also individually better? Yeah, it sounds a bit cliche, but when you can't, I guess the individual awards over the last kind of couple of weeks, it's not um, it's not an empty feeling by any stretch, but it's not it doesn't feel quite the same as you know you see guys that are playing finals and getting all Australian jackets and, you know, you kind of look at that and think, oh, well, that's, you know, they t- tick both boxes there. They, um, their team's going really well and they're getting some team success, but also playing some good individual football. So, um, yeah, given the week as well, um, it was kind of, there's a little bit of a, um, not, yeah, I guess a bit of an empty feeling to a degree. Um, the fact that, yeah, it was good to get some individual recognition, but the club as a whole was not where we want. So, um, yeah, it didn't feel quite the same as that. It's obviously been a tough season at Carlton. You would have had a, a specially close bond, I imagine, with David T, given he was uh, your forwards coach when you first arrived at the club. Um, give us a bit of an insight as to what your relationship was like. Yeah, I had a really good relationship with Teggy. Um, he was, as he said, he was my forward coach when um, when he got to the club in 2018, I want to say. Um, so we had a really strong relationship uh, working toward, uh, together there. And then um, when Teggy took over the main job and, 2019, I guess that um, that continued on, and um, yeah, worked really closely with him. And, and this year, especially, um, he was really good, just um, backing myself in and um, giving me the ability to go out and play my way. And um, yeah, didn't care if I made mistakes or um, whatever. It was just um, backing myself in. And um, yeah, I really enjoyed team coaching. And obviously, it's um, disappointing that he won't be won't be here next year, but. Um, that's the industry and the club's made a decision and uh, obviously we back the club in and Teague's got us to a point now where hopefully um, the next coach can come in and um, take us to the finals and uh, get some success off the back of yeah a few coaches over the last five or six years. So, um, yeah, it's obviously disappointing and sad. You never like to see someone lose their job or um, I guess in this industry as well, um, sometimes we can forget their actual people and um, the emotion and the, and the feeling side of it. So, um, yeah, I'm obviously quite upset for Teague, but um, mm. yeah, it's in the industry and um, we all move on. Have you been able to stay in touch with him? I guess in COVID times, we can't really get together for a beer, but have you reached out to him? Yeah, I have, yeah. Um, he's doing all right. It's, um, as I said, it's a tough, tough time and we've had a lot of people um, reaching out and trying to trying to speak to him, but um, yeah, it's obviously going to be pretty raw for a while, but um, Teague's the type of guy that and I even said to me that, um, yeah, he, um, he's done everything he, he can and he did it his way, so um yeah, that's all you can do at the end of the day. You're 23 years of age, so you're a little bit older, but is it hard at times when there's so much external pressure on the club to um, come in and just realise it's a job and you have to do your bit on a Friday, Saturday, Sunday and, and make sure you capitalise on your opportunities, but with the media attention and everything, does it make it challenging at times? There's no doubt um, being a, a big club like Carlton, you're um, under the microscope a little bit more compared to some other clubs, but um, I guess it can be a good thing and a bad thing. Um, I guess when you're going well, Matt, um, yeah, it's um, it's not too bad because yeah, it's all positive news and whatnot. But then when you're not going so well, it's the opposite. So now we get told uh, to try not to read into it too much, and obviously you're going to see a little bit of it come up on um, social media and when you when you're speaking to people. But um, just try not to to buy into what they're saying and really just listen to what's been said inside the four walls, and um, that's all you can do really. But yeah, as I said, as a big Melbourne club um, and, so, and a place like Carlton, it's always going to be a lot of media around, but. Um, yeah, we kind of just got to focus on what we can control. Uh, the other player who, of course, won't be there next season is Eddie Betts. Um, give us a bit of an insight as to your relationship with Eddie and, and the impact in which he's had on the Carlton players. Yeah, Eddie's a, um, he's a fantastic human, Matt. Um, oh, this is my second year playing with him. And um, yeah, it was quite, um, it was a bit strange last year, him coming back. He was nearly like a, a recruit, but obviously he'd played for you know, 10 plus years, nearly 10 years at Carlton before that. So, uh, it was a little bit of a strange dynamic, but um, yeah, he's such a positive person, Ed, and um, obviously there's one element to it, playing playing football with him out on the ground and um, what he brings to um, to the game in terms of the excitement and the, all the goals and the, um, his ability on the field, but then um, what he does for for sport and um, the whole public off-field. Um, yeah, he's... Um, you, you look at someone like Eddie, and as I said, he's so positive and such a, a great person, and... Then, um, you look at the abuse that he cops and um, yeah, you, just, you scratch your head thinking how does that actually happen? But um, mm. he's been so great with it. You can see how much it affects him um, when he comes in 
on a Monday after an incident happened or something like that. Um, it, it's really sad to see, but um, yeah, the way he stands up for what he believes in and helps other people is amazing and um, just shows what uh, what character he is. So as a fellow forward, how many shots would he have after training and what sort of healthy competition would there be amongst the forwards? Yeah, he has a few. I reckon as he's got a bit older, he probably looks after his body a bit more, Matt. He probably um, goes inside a little bit early on, <laughs> uh, on occasion, but yeah, you just see some of the stuff he does at training, even just grabs the ball from the boundary and you know bananas it through or whatever it is, and you think, oh, that's that's pretty amazing to do. Um, so yeah, now there's always a bit of uh, banter and healthy competition between the forwards. Everyone thinks they're the best shot of goal, so um, it makes it some pretty interesting competitions. But <laughs> yeah, it, it's all good fun. So who would you say is the best shot on goal? Um, trying to think. Would you claim it yourself? Yeah. Well. Depends where we are. If we're snapping it, maybe. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm not sure who's kicked that well this year. I'm trying to remember, but um, I reckon if you said 30 meters out, directly in front for a million dollars or whatever it is, everyone. I reckon most blokes would put their hand up to do it because um, <laughs> they feel like they're that type of guy. But um, yeah, I'm not sure who our best is. Okay. I have to look through the, look, look through the stats. Look through the stats. Uh, you, ha- you haven't been able to play too many games with you, Charlie Kerno, um, Mitch McGovern. Is, is that the dream? Is that maybe you could get through a preseason where all three of you are up and firing and playing the same forward line together? There you go. Probably Mitch McGovern is actually a very nice kick to go on, mate. Yeah. Um, so you reminded me there, but maybe it's Gov. But um, yeah, it was obviously great to have Charlie back in the last kind of month of the year and um, for him to string together a couple of games. Um, it was great to have him back out there and um, yeah, he's obviously had a, a pretty rough time with it injury-wise, so um, to see him back out there and smile on his face and running around was, um, was fantastic. So, um, yeah, I'm fingers crossed that he can have a really good summer and um, get back to his best in 2022. So, um, same with Gubb as well. He um, he played the last couple of games and um, got his body right there as well. So, um, yeah, we haven't we haven't actually played a lot of football together, us three. I'm not sure how many games it would have been, but um, probably wouldn't be more than 10, I reckon. So. No. Um, yeah, it's obviously an exciting thought for uh, all of us to be out there together. But um, yeah, there's obviously a lot of water to go on the bridge. We'll have to try and stay healthy and whatnot. But I feel like if we can have a good summer together and um, yeah, we'll be out there on the park at once, um, it'll be a pretty good mix. Carlton forward Harry Mackay, our guest on ABC Sport. I'm sure a lot of Carlton fans have been excited by Sam Walsh's season. Uh, tell me, is it the work ethic that allows him to reach another level? Uh, yeah, absolutely. He's an animal. Um, you watch him at training and just how hard he works. Um, it's pretty amazing for a what is he, 20, 21-year-old. And um, day one that he walked into the club, um, he, he was like that as well. So um, he's only going to get better. And um, you just watch yeah, even his stuff off the field and um, how professional he is and um, his leadership already after being assistant three years. Um, it's quite amazing. So um, he's, he's a great person as well. He's got a great balance between um, working really hard, but then having a laugh. And um, yeah, he's such a nice guy. So um, we're really lucky to have him at the football club and um, I love playing with him and I love everything he's about. So um, yeah, I can't wait to play with him for a long time. The way in which he plays, do you imagine he's the kind of guy who could be a future captain of the club? Yeah, well, obviously um, from a leadership point of view, um, he, he's fantastic already. As I said, after only three years, um, he invests heavily in his leadership. Um, he's, he's the type of guy that um, has a really good relationship with everyone. And um, yeah, although, as I said, he um, he works really hard and um, he's like an animal on the field. Um, off the field, he's um, he's quite a jovial um, bloke and has a good laugh with everyone. So um, you love having those type of characters around the club and <laughs> they always make for, make for good leaders. So um, yeah, whether the, the title or whatever comes with that, but um, yeah, he's, he's a fantastic leader and um, a great player. And now your season is done. Are you the kind of player, you're footy nuffy that you'll watch some of the finals? Do you find yourself um, captivated in what's going to take place or you're one who tries to switch off once the season's done? Um, given there's not much else on TV, Matt, I might probably watch it. Um, as I said, in lockdown, there's not a lot to do. So, um, no, I quite enjoy at times watching football, especially finals. It um, always goes up a level um, when the finals come around. So, yeah, I'll probably, probably watch it. But... Um, yeah, I think it's always it's nice to, I guess, watch what they're doing and um, see where they are, and kind of gives you a bit of motivation to um to get to that level as well. So um, yeah, it's always good to watch finals because um, ultimately that's where we want to be. Do you have a feeling who the best team in it is at the moment? Um, yeah, I don't know. I reckon it'd be a, 
be a good one. I reckon Melbourne will be hard to beat. Um, we just look at their system and um, the way they set up and they're really strong defensively. So, um, yeah, unless that's kind of way off, it's going to be hard to score against them, I reckon. But um, when you look at Port Adelaide, I reckon that are playing some really exciting, um, hard, but kind of quick, aggressive football as well. So um, if I had to put my money on it, Matt, I reckon there might be those two in the grand yep. final. Yep. Um, but as, as we've seen, anything can happen. Um, every team that's in it, Playing some good football at the moment, so uh, it's an open race for sure. But um, yeah, my money would be on those two. Yeah, Melbourne Port Adelaide Grand Final would would be interesting given the history on the line for Melbourne and Port Adelaide not since two thousand and four. It's been such a strange year with COVID. You mentioned the lockdown and some of the challenges of what what you can and can't do. What was it like from your point of view to play in front of no fans? It's obviously not the ideal situation for anyone, and you could hear no doubt a lot of the dialogue between the players and the opposition players a bit better and. Some players even told us you could hear the commentators a bit from upstairs. What was it like from your point of view? It was very unique, Matt. Um, especially, I think last year in 2020, early on, it was kind of not normal, but um, we kind of had a understanding that you know it's going to be like this for a little while until potentially we go into the hub or um, until everything clears up a bit. So that was that was okay last year, I think, because we knew um, what was happening. But then to get crowds back this year and it to kind of feel a little bit normal and you know, I think we played in front of 70,000 at one stage or whatever it was, so uh, or 50,000. So to have those kind of numbers back and um, just showed you how much we actually missed the um, missed the fans and missed all the noise at the ground. And then um, for that to be kind of taken away again, it was a, yeah, it was quite strange. And um, just, yeah, the atmosphere for the games just weren't the same. And um, mm. even just uh, watching back some vision earlier in the year and stuff, you see fans there and, and the noise of the game, it just makes it sound so much better. So, um, yeah, it was a bit of a, it was a tough kind of, I think we only played maybe three or four games with no crowd this year, but um, yeah, it made for an interesting dynamic. Um, once, you, once you're running around and um, whatnot, it doesn't make too much of a difference. But um, yeah, I think um, for the whole atmosphere and spe- uh, optically, I think it's great to have fans there. And um, yeah, it's really shown how much we miss them. Yeah, especially for some of those big Carlton games against Collingwood, against big sides where, where you do get on a run in the final term. We love going back to the start of your footy journey and learning a bit more about you. So you, you grew up in Warrigal. Obviously a lot spoken about you and Ben being twins, but um, tell us what life in Warrigal was like growing up. Yeah, so we had, um, originally when we were a bit younger, we were um, in Long Warrior, which is 20 minutes down the road. Um, so we had we had 12 acres there. Um, so with my uh, younger brother, Charlie, and my older sister, Hannah, along with Ben and my parents, um, so we grew up there and um, we had nearly a, a different field for everything. So we had um, we had the, the footy oval at the front, um, with, so Dad put in uh, some goalposts and um, we were out there all the time. And then when summer would come around, we'd have a, in the backyard, we'd have a cricket pitch and then there was a basketball court, well, basketball ring around the other corner. So there was always something to do, Matt. And um, <laughs> we, were out, we were outside a lot, which was, um, yeah, which was great for as a kid, I guess you always want to be um, active and doing stuff. So to have um, quite a bit of space was um, was really good. But um, yeah, footy wise, we um, as I said, Ben and I were always out there kicking kicking the football. Um, quite a lot of fights as well. It was um, one would always come in in tears or blood or both. So um, it quite uh, it was quite an interesting dynamic um, growing up with a twin. But um, <laughs> yeah, so we, we kind of played just our local footy there. And then when we were, I think just grade six or seven we moved to Warrigal um we had a couple acres up there as well so still had a bit of room to run around and kick the footy and whatnot but um yeah we, we were just kind of playing local footy with Warrigal um ups and downs we'll probably we didn't grow until um probably 15 16 I reckon so and that kind of um as we started to grow and get a bit taller and, and whatnot probably got a bit of confidence with that and started to play some pretty solid football off the back of that but um yeah, so kind of when we were younger, not until kind of under 18s, we were you know, midfielders, just wing midfielders. So um, we didn't really start to play a key position until kind of bottom age under 18s kind of thing. So um, yeah, it was all a bit new at the start, but as I said, we kind of kept on growing and um, yeah, got some confidence off the back of that and then played, had, both had pretty good years, bottom age 18s for Warrigal. And um, on the back of that, we had a invitation to Gibson Power um, to train and to play that summer and um yeah only had one year at Tennessee Cup was give some power and then I guess that was enough so um slightly different to a few I guess most blokes who um are in the system since they were you know 13 14 and 
do the under 15s, 16s, 18s um, with, with Gibson Power or TSC Cup. So um, it was a little bit different. But, um, yeah, it was a really good way to, to grow up and play football and um, it turned out all right. So the move from Longwari to Warrigal, was that work-related for family or was there another particular reason for the move? Um, well, we played – so Longwari was um, 15 minutes uh, closer to the city to Warrigal. But, um, yeah, we played. We were playing football in Warrigal. We went to school in Warrigal. Um, the closest – Woolworths was in Warrigal. So everything yeah. was kind of um, – yeah, Warrigal was kind of the, the main town. So, um, yeah, I think just saving, you know, 20-minute drive every day. Um and to get a bit of a bigger house, we're all kind of on top of each other at um at our old place. So, um yeah, we, we moved up there for a bit more um obviously a bigger house and and whatnot, but also closer to um football and and school and everything. So yeah, it was a good move. So was it always footy as your first love? You mentioned cricket and and basketball as well. And um was it sort of around that so sixteen seventeen when you had that growth spurt that all of a sudden you thought, hang on, this I'm not bad at this footy. Um, something might eventuate here. Um yeah, I think. Since we were three or four, we were always outside kicking the footy, and footy was always, um, I guess, our number one passion and um, our favourite sport and, and whatnot. And um, I felt like from a young age we were, um, I guess, quite skillful and and whatnot. But um, yeah, I guess you, you always have a dream to play AFL as a kid and, and whatnot. But um, yeah, as I said, it probably wasn't until fifteen, sixteen, where we actually grew and um, the pathway maybe become a little bit clearer to. As in, all right, well, we actually might be a chance here. Um, obviously, blessed with some some good genetic height and whatnot. But, um, yeah, we feel like we still had that skill and um, and stuff from when we were a bit younger. So um, everything became a little bit clearer as we got older. But, um, yeah, ever since we were young, it was always something we wanted to do and always a dream. So for it to play out, um, yeah, it's pretty cool. And playing alongside your brother, Ben, at one end of the ground and, and you at the other. Um, what a unique experience. Were, were you able to bond over that or was there always a healthy rivalry between the two of you? Um, on the field, we was always, um, yeah, we always played really well together. We had a um, pretty good ability to, because Ben was, oh, as I said, we are probably midfielders at the start. So um, whenever Ben got the ball, um, he'd kind of kick it to me. And likewise, we always had a good ability to find each other on the field. But um as we got a little bit older um, and we moved to kind of forward and back, um, yeah, it was still kind of that. Ben would kind of mark it, send half back, and then kick it to me, um, kind of send half forward. So um, we worked pretty well together. But um, it was more once we got off the field and, yeah, it was the, the healthy competition was kind of more speaking to our parents or our dad to say, you know, who played better. And then that, that bloke got the, the bragging rights for the rest of the afternoon, Matt. So, um, yeah, we're pretty, pretty competitive in that space. But... Um, yeah, all the fights and um, drama kind of happened during the week when we were um, when we were playing in the backyard. So um, came when we came to game day, we were pretty good there. Now, Harry, I don't want to embarrass you, but we did have your mum and dad, Tracy and Pete, on before North Melbourne and Carlton, where we thought you were going to play against your twin Ben and Adam Romanaskis. We put it straight to your dad, Pete. Pete, <laughs> I'm I'm interested if you did have to put your your dollar on. Oh. One of the two boys in the backyard in a in a little scuffle. Who have you got that dollar on? Uh, it would depend on the day of the week. <laughs> uh, I've been fortunate enough to to watch have a front row seat of one on one marking contest for for many a year, and it would it would ebb and flow just based on confidence. One month, you know, Harry would mark everything coming his way while Ben was trying to belt him, and all of a sudden it would just turn through confidence, and uh, Ben would be. He'd be the one marking everything, and uh, Harry'd be spitting the dummy. So it really would depend on the day of the week. But um, I know Ben's a lot more keener than Harry, perhaps, to uh, play on him. So yeah. whether that's to prove something, I don't know. So that was your dad, Pete, obviously jumping on here and having a bit of fun with us. And I can kind of get the visual picture as to why you're both such uh, good marks over your head. If your dad was at one end, kicking it between the two of you at the other. Yeah, that's right. We um, yeah, we'd go outside in the backyard and um. Dad would always, because we always wanted to be kind of one-on-one against each other and um, kind of competing. Um, Dad would always kick the ball up, um, nearly just like a marker's up between between us. And um, yeah, it was it was kind of everyone. Well, Ben and I would take our turns and who was kind of dominating. But once one of us got on a bit of a roll, it was kind of hard to stop. So one day it would be me, the next day it would be Ben. But um, yeah, and then as I said, it was always some tears or blood or something. So, if, you know, if it wasn't your day, you'd always get pretty angry and um, kind of storm off inside. So, um, yeah, it was always good fun, though. And, um, yeah, I think I think what Dad might mention, but um, 
yeah, playing football in the backyard and, and growing up like that, I guess, um, got the chance to develop some good skills. And, um, yeah, it's something that we've both, I guess, both got, still got now, been able to mark overhead and, and whatnot. So, um, yeah, I guess it's been quite transferable. So your mirror image twins, you're a left footer, Ben's a right footer. And I think your dad was making mention that at one stage, um, one would wear size 15 and one would wear size 14 and you'd swap one each. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. It's still the case. So oh, right. shout out to Puma, Puma but um, <laughs> yes, yeah, so I'm a four, I'm a 14 and a 13. So I, yeah, I get um, a two kind of separate, separate uh, shoes and Ben's the exact opposite. So um, we kind of just swap shoes when we came there. So it's quite, it's quite funny how that works. Um, yeah, we are mirror image twins. So I'm a left, left-handed and Ben's right-handed. So um, yeah, it's, um, it's unique, but um, yeah, it comes in handy as I said with the shoes. Um, but <laughs> yeah, it's um, yeah, growing up with the twin, it was always yeah, it was always good fun. And um, yeah, I think um, having a childhood with someone that um, obviously it's very similar to you and uh, similar interest and in, um, going through stuff together was um, yeah, looking back, it was it was a really good thing. So um, I'm one of three kids, and the backyard competitions were always fierce. There was always bragging rights. Was always even though you're sort of two or four, was there always a fair bit of bragging rights between the two of you? Yeah, there was. Um, so I said, yeah, my um, younger brother, Charlie, and older sister, Hannah, they're um, not quite as sporty as us, Matt. They're, um, they're <laughs> the academic ones. It's safe to say they're, uh, they're the, maybe the brains of the family. But um, so when we were growing up, they kind of did their own thing to a degree. Um, and Ben and I were um, kind of in the backyard. But as I said before, yeah, absolutely. Um, whoever won that afternoon or that day, had bragging rights for the whole whole night and afternoon. So, um, yeah, it was very fierce. And um doesn't matter what we were playing. As I said, basketball, cricket, um, tennis. Yeah, if, if one of them lost or if um, if I won, for example, would uh, would be rubbing it in quite a lot. So, <laughs> it was, um, yeah, made for some, um, some good viewing. Yeah, my parents never helped the cause. They were happy for deciding chores. Whoever finished one of three, there's always someone who finishes at the bottom. So, you guys sorted out in the backyard. So, I think they kind of encouraged it. Uh, growing up, who'd you barrack for? Uh, we were Essendon fans, Matt. So um, yeah, didn't see a lot of success there, but um, yeah, whole family was Essendon. And I guess they say they're not now, but I still reckon my, especially my grandpa, he was um, he was very Essendon. So I think he's still got a bit of a soft spot for the Bombers. But um, no, it's it's great how the family's kind of jumped on board. Carlton and uh, North Melbourne, given uh, they were quite passionate Essendon fans growing up when I was growing up, yeah. Uh, your mum kind of joked that the two clubs, um, I mean, ideally, uh, as parents, they'd love to see you playing in the one side, but sort of joked that perhaps the nature of the clubs kind of suit your personalities, Ben being a um, bit more blue collar and, and you being Carlton, happy to embrace the big crowd and the big following. Is that a fair assessment? Yeah, that's not too far off the mark. Um, Ben's quite a bit more insular and private to our but he's, um, yeah, he's a little bit more careful to himself and... Um, yeah, I feel like I'm not too dissimilar, but I feel like I'm a little bit more, um, I guess, not out there, but um, yeah, a little bit more comfortable in my own skin, maybe. But um, yeah, it's probably it's quite a not a bad way to look at it. I think Carlton, as I said, is quite a big club, and I guess you got to embrace that. Um, we're in the native blue, and um, North Melbourne are a little bit more, as I said, blue collar, mm. and um, just kind of get their stuff done quietly. So um, yeah, it's quite a it's a fair reflection, but um. Yeah, well, we are still pretty similar personality-wise. We still have a few um, different traits, as I said, but um, yeah, we're not too far too far different. So why haven't you played against each other? I had a bit of bad luck, Matt. Um, <laughs> so last year, 2020, it was going to be the first time. And um, it's a bit of a funny story, but we um, every, I think twice a week in the hub, we had to get a COVID test. And um, Thursday morning, just got, got mine like normal. And then... Um, we were outside. Um, we went to training, and just I was warming up um, to just to train. And then I got a um, kind of got a call from Teague and Brad Lloyd, just saying you got you can't be here. You got you got to be off the track. Um, your COVID test has come back irregular, which means they just they didn't process it. So it's not like you've been negative or anything. It's just one in a thousand just doesn't mm. actually get um, recorded. So they're like, you just got to go out into the the back oval until your test gets processed again. Um, so you won't better train, which is just a bit. It was a bit annoying, but um, not too bad. So I just went um, went to like the back oval where we were actually staying in RACV and just did a session there um, with one of the other coaches that was there. And um, no, it was just we did we did the session. There was no problems. And then um, just had a few shots of goal at the end. And um, Pinched like the um, the flap out of my knee, so it was actually pretty sore, and um, ended up not being able to play. But 
just kind of worked out that um you know if I hadn't got that regular test I wouldn't have been on that back over when yeah. I would have done my knee so it was just it was all just a bit of a weird coincidence Matt and I kind of thought at the time like oh, just not to, not not meant to be we um the, the universe must want us to wait until we can uh play in front of our parents and and our family in Melbourne one day so um yeah I didn't think about it too much and then um yeah this year we were um obviously meant to be playing against each other and I actually fractured my toe um the week before in uh, against Collingwood. So I was pretty sore and um yeah, I don't think I was ever really a chance to play against North Melbourne. Um I think I was meant to miss a couple more weeks in the end, but I was lucky enough to get back the week after. But um yeah, I um I fractured my toe so I couldn't really um couldn't play. So another kind of unlucky timing. But um yeah, I guess everything happens for a reason and uh hopefully next year and from the family and uh, everything's there, we we can get it done. But um, yeah, it's been built up a fair bit now, so um, hopefully it doesn't disappoint when it does happen. Well, how's it adjust? In a world of social media, everyone likes to have a little bit of fun, and there's jokes about whether there's actually two of you, whether there's one. And uh, your dad did clarify that the the food bill definitely justified for two. That both of you were big eaters, and there was always two boys. But it does set the script nicely when you do finally get to play on each other. It does. There's um, there's been a couple of funny ones in social media. I think. One of them I had a bit of a laugh at was um, Ben's in Brazil. He, he found a girl and um, moved to Brazil when he was 18. And then I played for both clubs, apparently. So that was um, <laughs> that was quite funny. I had a bit of a chuckle with that. But, um, yeah, I think with, given social media these days, is um, there's always some kind of interesting, quirky ones like that. So I guess it's all part of it. And it's good, yeah. Yeah. And growing up in Warrigal, you would have spent a lot of kilometres on the road traveling between one game to the other. Um, what was it like to keep yourself entertained? Would you listen to the footy would you listen to music um i guess now you're based in melbourne you realize that you, your parents had to do a lot of chauffeuring to get you from one game to the next yeah that's right um obviously in in a country town there's always a bit of travel involved um getting to games and whatnot but um yeah i think as you get a bit older you appreciate what your parents do for you and um yeah we would spend a few hours definitely a few hours on the road um i think um usually it would have been ben and i in the car or at least ben and i so um, there was always some entertainment there, either if it was having an argument or discussion or something. But um, yeah, we, we kept ourselves entertained pretty well. But um, yeah, we as I said, we always loved footy. So whenever the footy was on, we'd probably listen to the football and um, a bit of music in between that. But um, yeah, there was always some entertaining uh, car trips, that's for sure. I was based in Adelaide when the, the AFL draft took place, the year in which you were drafted, pick 10 in 2015. You were just 17 years of age back then. Does it seem like a long time ago? When you were having your name read out as heading to Carlton, it does and it doesn't. Um, one hand, yeah, it's gone super quick. Like it's, I guess that's been what five or six years now, and um, yeah, you feel like it's it's gone um, really quickly. Um, yeah, last thing you know, you were as I said, you were the draft, and now you're six years in. So when they say it goes fast, um, it's it's actually really true. But um, and then the other token, I guess it's it's kind of been a long journey, and um, lots of ups and downs throughout the six years and it's kind of been like a bit of a yeah longer longer journey to get to where I'm now but um yeah I think that's that's AFL football you're going to have your highs and lows but um yeah it definitely does go quickly but um yeah it's always interesting looking back at and some photos of a vision of um of me when I was you know 18 19 and yeah you see how much you've developed and changed over over five or six years so it's always um yeah quite interesting to look back and uh, see how much you've changed so you finished school. Um, what sort of student were you? Were you able to focus on a little bit of schoolwork, or was footy always the number one goal? Yeah, I was a top student, Matt. Don't worry about that. <laughs> no, that's, um, not quite true. Um, thought we were all right. I don't think we're too bad, but um, yeah, I think especially in our under eighteen year, football was um getting pretty serious, and um, yeah, even you know you always had kind of interviews with clubs or your manager kind of calling you, and it was um. Without saying arrogant, once you knew that um, yeah, there was kind of a likelihood that you were going to get drafted, it was probably the motivation to study really hard or um, be the perfect student. Probably, um, probably dropped off a little bit, yeah. but um, yeah, I think I think we were, we weren't too bad um, when we applied ourselves. Oh man, you know when I applied myself, I felt like I wasn't too bad, but um, yeah, it was probably just. Um, yeah, the frequency at which I applied myself, Matt, um, wasn't, wasn't, wasn't great. <laughs> so if you hadn't have gone down the football path, do you ever wonder what you might have become? Was there a, a particular interest you had in the schooling side of things or a work area you might have found your way to? 
Yeah, I'd be in trouble, I reckon. Um, okay. No, nah, um, I quite like the um, the business management side of things. Um, yeah, I'm not sure exactly what I would have done um, after school, but um, yeah, the, the business um, side of things I quite enjoy. And um, yeah, I don't know how it would have played out, but uh, I might have gone to uni, I'm not sure. But yeah, um, yeah I'm, I'm obviously really grateful that I get to do a job that I love. And um, yeah, it's... Um, Yes, it's amazing being to uh, getting to wake up every day and uh, go to work as to speak. And um, yeah, but really, it's just it's playing football. So you got to play a couple of games in the 2017 season. You had to wait till late round 18 against the Brisbane Lions to make your debut. Um, did it feel like it had been building for a long time? Can you remember how nervous you were and what the experience was like? Yeah, I remember it quite well. Um, I think being a, a higher pick, um, there was always a little bit of media around because I mean I wasn't playing for the first two years really and um there was quite a bit of media around um why isn't he playing what's he why is he in the twos um etc but um so I felt like when I'd actually when I got to that time to debut and it felt like a long time coming especially um you know looking around and seeing other guys in my draft year like Weeders and Charlie um even Sauce had played you know that all played around you know 30 40 games by then and um, I don't, I hadn't played any, so um, yeah, it was kind of yeah, it felt like it was a long time coming. But um, remember, it was in Brisbane um, on a away trip, kind of afternoon game up there, and um, I was pretty good until I remember sitting in my hotel room, um, yeah, maybe three or four hours before the game, and just suddenly got really, really nervous, and um, took a little while to calm down after that. But um, yeah, once I got to the ground and um, yeah, I got through the warm up and. Whatnot. It felt pretty, uh, pretty normal again, and um, yeah, it was really fun to to be out there. And um, it was all a bit of a blur to start with, but um, yeah, I felt once I once I played my first game, that was kind of the start of my AFL career. I guess people say, you know, it's only broken into two two parts. Like when when you get drafted, that's that's excellent. You're on the list, but you know, it kind of starts again after that, and you got to work really hard to um to get your first game and get a spot on the team. So um, yeah, I was really grateful for the opportunity and. Um, Although we didn't win, it was um, yeah, it was really good to run out for the first time in the navy blue, and uh, I think I went alright. Especially, I think first half I wasn't too bad. So to get a bit of a taste for it and to do some good things, um, yeah, it gave me a lot of confidence going forward. Yeah, you kicked one two on debut, so a pretty handy debut. You did have to wait a little while before you got to sing the song though. The next season in in round eight, um, do the nerves get easier to deal with as you get older? Do you get more experienced at, at knowing what to expect before a game, or do you still get a few butterflies before you're playing in a big game? You always get um, a little bit of nerves and some nervous energy. Um, I think, I don't know, I reckon if you ask you know, Cade Simpson, who played 350 or whatever it was, um, I reckon you would ask him before every game, did you get nervous? And um, he would have said yes still. Like there would have been some still little bits of, um, a little bit of nerves and a few butterflies. But um, I think the second you lose that, then you're probably, um, you're probably done. So um, there's always a little bit of, yeah, a little bit of nerves, but um, as you get a little bit older, and I mean, I've only played sixty games, so it's um, far from being a veteran. But um, yeah, I think it, you look back and on just previous experiences, and you know, yeah, I, I felt like that before this game. I remember, and this is what I did to kind of get myself up. So um, yeah, the more games you play, the more kind of past experiences you can draw on, and um, yeah, holds you in pretty good stead. Was there someone in particular who took you under their wing and gave you some guidance in the early stages of your career? Um, probably not one in particular, but um, when we got to the club, there was obviously over the next two years since I got there, there was a big um, kind of intake of young guys, and um, I thought the club did a pretty good job of um, yeah helping us all settle in. And um, I guess those older guys, like Simo and um, Murph, and I guess Andrew Walker, and um, kind of those older guys were all really good with us. And um, yeah, uh, Michael Jamison, there's, there's quite a few, um, but yeah, I think um, there's a lot of young guys coming through. So, um, yeah, for, for those older guys to give us a bit of time and um, work with us and um, help us become our best players we can was, um, was really great. And I guess um, we're kind of in that in that time now where we're kind of the, the senior type of guys at the club. So, um, yeah, I guess it's our responsibility now to, um, to help younger guys through, which I really enjoy doing. And does it remind you, I guess, of the business nature when those guys are no longer at the footy club? And as you mentioned, all of a sudden it's over to you guys to lead the next generation of young players who walk through the door. It's a pretty uh, ruthless industry, Matt. I remember my first two or three years, it was maybe 35 
40 kind of list changes and there's a lot of guys coming in and out of the door and um yeah it made it really hard you know you build relationships with people and then you know 12 months later they're they're at the door and you go from seeing them every day to um you know to having to to see them every now and then and have to try and stay in touch with them and um it's really difficult but um yeah that's the nature and um I guess as I said becoming kind of five or six year players your the responsibility kind of comes back to you and um we have to try and invest in the young guys and um try and get the best out of them and um yeah as I said before it's something I really enjoy doing and um yeah it's going to help um, the more we can um, invest into our younger players and um, build those relationships, the better we'll be as a club. So um, it's something, yeah, I'm looking forward to. Carlton Ford, Harry Mackay is our guest on ABC Sport. Were you living with Jed Lamb when you first moved to the club? And what are your dicks like now? Have you got a good setup? Oh, well, yeah, I did live with Lammy. I'm not sure that was a good thing or a bad thing, Matt. But um, <laughs> no, he was uh, very good. I, I, when I first moved um, into the city, I was in with Simon White for um, for a few, a couple of months before Christmas, which was great. And then, um, moved into a host family for for ten months, and it was all set up to the club, which is great. And then, um, yeah, moved in with Lammy. Obviously, had a really good relationship with Jed, and um, yeah, he was um he had a really good balance between working hard, but um, yeah, he was very jovial and um, you had to have a good laugh. So that was really good fun. And then, um, yeah, I could kind of bounce around a few different places now, but um, currently living in Richmond with um. With a couple of mates from back home, of uh, Fraze Phillips, who was on the list last year, and um, young man called Tom, who's um, yeah, he's just coming as well. So um, they're they're pretty good fellas, and uh, yeah, they always keep me pretty grounded. Matt doesn't matter if I <laughs> kick seven. There's always some feedback for me, and um, yeah, they maybe keep me too grounded. Actually, they um, a bit of positivity would be nice once in a while, but um, no, nah, it's always good to. Um, yeah, keep relationships when you're younger and um, yeah, it's always good fun. Oh, the beauty of a shared house. Uh, are you much of a cook? Yeah, I don't mind cooking. Um, we're pretty we're pretty handy in our house. We um, try and cook most nights. So um, yeah, I think as you, it's another thing you look back at when I was you know, 18 or 19 and uh, couldn't do much in the kitchen. But um, yeah, it's obviously elements of growing up and um, yeah, I quite enjoy my cooking. So obviously being a professional athlete, we... Um, yeah, we have access to some really good dietitians and nutritionists through the club and, and everything. So, um, yeah, they're always there to help. So, um, yeah, um, I quite enjoy it. And what about away from footy? I mean, it's not normal time, so you can't do what you normally be doing. But would you be the kind of guy who would like to go overseas to get away from, from Melbourne? Are you a keen golfer or fisherman? Um, what do you try and do to uh, keep the balance right? Yeah, I'm not a great golfer, Matt. I, I need to work on my golf game. Okay. Um, I always used to you always used to blame having really short clubs as, as why I was bad. But um, can't, I got a new set of clubs last year, so I probably can't blame that. But um, <laughs> yeah, it's always nice um to go overseas when we can, or even just interstate um at the end of the season. Um, even just you know, I've been able to sit in the sun and just kind of relax for for a couple of weeks. But um, yeah, I guess there's always an element of um, you want to have a bit of a break, but um, I kind of look at off seasons as um, a chance to really get better and um, put in some really good work. So um, as I said, last year um, we, had, we had quite a big break, 14 or 15 weeks. And um, I really used that as an opportunity to, to grow my game and try and get better. And um, yeah, it's definitely something I'll do again this year, but um, yeah, it'd be nice to do a bit of travel. We did um, in 2019 kind of before COVID hit, um, a few guys we did um we did europe and spent about a month over there so that was good fun traveling but um yeah obviously can't do too much at the moment so but um, once everything opens up again it'll be um it'll be nice to travel a bit more yeah i was gonna say you kind of look back at those times and and are thankful that you were able to get away and, and make the most of it in lockdown what what are the housemates and you do to occupy yourself are you playing video games or board games are there healthy competitions in the house yeah there is um it's pretty, as I said, it's only with brothers, like the ability to always turn everything into a competition. Um, <laughs> it's quite amazing. But um, yeah, we, we play a bit of um, a bit of PS4 and um, even just going, we, we live um, pretty close to Gotcha's paddock. So walking down there and um, just doing some goal kicking or handballing or whatever it is. Um, Monopoly deal, the card game, we play a bit of that and everything just turns into a competition match. So, um, yeah, it's, it's always good form of entertainment. And then there's always a fight at the end of the night as well. Um, one, whoever loses usually is pretty angry and then 
starts getting to the other one who won. So, um, yeah, it's not too dissimilar to uh, my childhood, mate, which is um, <laughs> good, good thing and a bad thing. Um, but, um, yeah, it's always good fun. Uh, Harry Mackay has been with us on ABC Sport. Um, Harry, thanks so much for your time. Um, I guess, finally, in terms of your own individual improvement, where do you feel like during the off-season, you mentioned taking the opportunity to try and improve each year. Where do you feel like you can continue to improve in your game? Yeah, I think... Um, Overriding, I think um, consistency is crucial. Um, so I feel like I've um, this year finally um, played some consistent football. But um, yeah, I think I'm um, developing kind of every kind of um, element of my game. But um, yeah, I think you look at some of the really good key forwards in the comp, like um, Buddy, Josh Kennedy, Jack Rewald, um, Tom Hawkins. You just look at their craft and their body work, and um, yeah, how they set up their opponents and how they get separation and um, yeah, their craft side of things. That's definitely something um, I want to put a lot of work into and um, keep on improving. Obviously, that comes with time and, and games played, but um, yeah, you can definitely fast-track that. So something I'll be looking at. Um, obviously, always want to look to get stronger and quicker in the gym and everything. So um, doing a bit of that and, and also my goal kicking as well. Um, I want to keep on putting time into that and uh, making sure that's at a really good um, really good point. So, um, yeah, it's nearly it's, um, just consistency, kind of a whole range of things. But, um, yeah, as I said, it's it's always a good opportunity to um, identify a few areas and um, really put some time and effort into it. So I'm looking forward to that. When you were growing up, was there a player you tried to model your game on? Um, oh, I always said Buddy, just because he was um, <laughs> kind of tall, left footer, he could run, and uh, he's yeah, he was amazing to watch and still is. Um, there's not many guys that you turn the TV on to watch, even now as a 23 year old, but um, he's definitely one of them. So yeah, um, yeah, he's a, he's an awesome player and he's been incredible for the game. So um, I always, always kind of said that, but I was always a bit wary to say everyone going um, under 18s and whatnot. They always said, yeah, who do you play a bit like? And you never really want to say buddy because um, the recruiters would probably look at you with um, a little bit dumbfounded. But um, yeah, I always loved the way Buddy played. And um, yeah, kind of growing up, he was he was awesome to watch. And then we were Essendon fans. So you know, Matthew Lloyd, James Hurd, Scotty Lucas, they were all kind of um, kind of favourites in the household growing up as well. So yeah. And finally, do you have a gut feeling as to what sort of coach you'd like to play under at Carlton? Or are you happy to embrace whoever gets the job and, and hopeful that maybe it might lead to some finals action? Yeah, I'm, um, I'm not too phased. I guess I think um, I've said it, but um, I think the main improvement is, is still going to come from within the playing group. So it doesn't really matter to a degree. Obviously, it matters a little bit um, who the coach is. But I think if um, if us as, play, as a playing group um, stick really tight together and... Um, trying to yeah, keep getting the best out of ourselves and um, really own what we're doing. I, I think that'll be the biggest improvement. And I think obviously you can add in some game plan stuff and some uh, me, some um, some coaching stuff around that. But uh, I, I feel the biggest improvement is still within the, the 45 players in the locker room. So, um, yeah, it's something that we're, we're going to be working really hard over, over the summer. And, um, yeah, whoever the new coach is, um, yeah, I look forward to, to working with them. But um, as I said, I, I still feel the main improvement is coming from uh, inside the 45. Harry, appreciate your time. Best of luck with the shoulder surgery and hopefully you get a little bit of a break once we're out of lockdown and um, and good luck in what's been an exciting start to your AFL career. Thanks for spending some time with us on ABC Sport. No worries, Matt. Thanks for having me, Matt. Have a good day. Carlton Ford, the 2021 Coleman medalist, Harry Mackay, my guest on Clinchy's Corner. If you missed any of the chat, of course, you can listen back to it via the ABC Listen app or wherever you get your podcast from or log on to the ABC website, abc.net.au forward slash grandstand. Until next time, it's bye for now.